Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to Papa and Banks with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Papa Banks, Bob Papa, and I got two Super Bowl champions with me, and they were actually teammates. Carl Banks, obviously, uh, the host of this show and two-time Super Bowl champion and CBS Sports extraordinaire Phil Sims joins us here this week on the show. Phil, how are you, my man? I'm doing okay, Bob. Uh, Good to talk to you. Nice. I like the background you have there, all those jerseys. I don't see mine or Carl's, but that's okay. (laughs) Carl, good to to see you, man. You look great. Good to see you too, bro. uh, Carl's a great teammate. Should be in the Hall of Fame, but we'll get into that stuff later. Well, yeah, so should you. Uh, Yeah, this is my son, Max. This goes to show you how the NFL has changed, right? I mean, when uh, when you guys were playing, you know, there might be Giants jerseys, but there wasn't availability of jerseys of other teams. I got a six and a half year old. That's got Keenan Allen, Devonte Adams, Cooper cup, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. It's pretty crazy. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because they wouldn't, you couldn't find a, a, an opposing team's Jersey in the tri-state area. It was so limited, but like the, um, the access now to the uh, NFL shop online is you can get anything from fanatics anywhere. So the displaced fan can get a Phil Sims jersey in Montana. Hey, I mean, listen, we all listen, we all remember, right? What did you wait for when you were a kid? The Sears Christmas catalog to show up yeah. in the mail? And they had the few back pages, they had some sports stuff, and you would hope that Santa might bring you like a helmet of your favorite team. Wow, you are going back. I never saw yeah, that. We're, book. We're, we're old. These kids, they just said they just did a quiz with a few of the kids. They didn't even know what VCRs were Walkman. Oh, yeah. So it's I know. like they only know like what they just shop online now. Everything's online. It is different, you know. Now, Carl, um, it used to be people come up, came up to me and said, "Hey, we love this, you know, whatever the the, the Giants." And now it's it used to be my, my dad loved you. Now it's, "Hey, Phil, my grandfather loves you." Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I get. I just go. Tell your grandfather he's the man. Okay. <laughs> so, so Phil, I wanted to get your take on the the quarterbacking NFL. You've you've watched these guys. You've watched the evolution of, of Josh Allen, and 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 you know we're in such a microwave fan base. Like you, they you draft a guy and they think you microwave them into an All Pro, right? And can you? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Can you talk about what that process is for a quarterback? Meaning, you know, you draft him, you you see the measurables, but there are some things that quarterbacks have to see no matter what era of the game it is. And so how does that progression work? Well, it's a, it, listen, I, I don't know if there's any way to say that how it does work and where you can make it work. But, you know, first off, I always say this about quarterbacks. It's always a transition to the NFL. But what tangibles do they have? In other words, What's going to give them a chance to be the franchise quarterback? And to me, it's got to be something we see. His arm, his legs, his size, his mobility, whatever that is. And that's where I start. Because if you're looking for the, oh, he's just got something to him. He's a winner. All those things that you hear, you just go, okay, I got to walk away because I'm not listening to any more of this because that doesn't – you got to have the talent. And um, the one thing we're seeing in the NFL, Carl, is a lot of talent. These kids grow up throwing in peewee football uh, in high school, college, and they come in the NFL, I think, more ready now than ever before. And the talent, uh, it's its really, truly incredible, the talent at quarterback right now. You know, we're going to judge everybody in the top five or seven always. Mm. But there, there are 20 quality starting quarterbacks in the NFL, that's for sure. From rookie to, like, year three, is that the natural maturation process? You, you Obviously, you see some flashes in year one, and some guys actually hit the ground running. But you talk about the 20 quality guys. What's that process like to evaluate, say, okay, it's time to move on or it's not? You know you know, there's something there, but when does it all come together 
in the natural progression for a young quarterback? Well, I would say, you know, it's not, I can't define exactly, but I would say when it's year three, you've now seen about everything you're going to see in the NFL. And if you worked hard and you're all this, then you're, you're now you're ready to go out and win football games. And, you know, Parcell has always had a great line, you know, first I got to teach you guys how not to lose a damn game. And (laughs) what sounds funny, but it's true. First, you got to do the things that keep you from just losing. And for quarterbacks, that's many things, but I think you learn that and you learn when to take chances. You know, you see the broad, you know, the, the game in totality, not just I'm out there now, you, you change the way you play sometimes by the score, how it's going, What's our defense doing? Stuff like that. And um, if you don't get it in your third year, then I don't know if you are going to get that part of it. But what gives guys extra years where we judge them so fast? Man, if you got somebody that's really, really talented, and even if they struggle and they're in that third year and it doesn't go the way quite way you want it, but they got the talent and they're they're you know they're working hard, then that's when you you stay with those guys and give them another year or two years to see if it works. The mental aspect of it, with you know, I start with uh, Trevor Lawrence, right? The first few games of the season, he looked robotic. Then all of a sudden, I'm, I believe it was on that Thursday night game where he just turned it loose. You could see, yeah. like, mentally he played freer. You know, it was just something about him. He was running the same stuff, but he just felt like he was more comfortable being an NFL quarterback or being a football player, not just, you know, the guy who's the NFL quarterback. Did you see that? Oh, absolutely. I just went, wow. Now I, I could see it before in him, and I knew, you know, the process early in the season. It's like, wow, what is going on out there? I mean, he threw some interceptions in the opening game of the year where I know he never saw the defender. You know, he's used yeah. to Clemson throwing the guys open. I lead him. Well, he was leading the guys always, oh, oh my God, it's intercepted. There comes a guy from the other side. Yeah. So you got to see more than you saw in college. But uh, to answer your questions, I saw it against Cincinnati, and he carried it over this past weekend to the game against the Tennessee Titans, much more comfortable, moving around. Um, He really looks the part. You know, I would just say this. I I expect a lot from the first guy drafted in every draft or anybody's drafted high. But the throwing's got to continue to get keep getting better. It's good, but I, I want it to be better than good. I want it to be Justin Herbert good. You know, that type or yeah. Josh Allen, where it's hey, Josh Allen might miss a couple, but he's going to hit the home run here in a second. And, and so uh, that's probably the only complaint. And I'm being very picky when I say that about Trevor Lawrence. Phil, I want to go to uh, the Monday night game, because, you know, one of the things we, we know, the talent that Lamar Jackson is, you know, and, and one of the things that uh, one of the narratives around him and that and the Ravens as a team is, hey, you know, if you get on top of them. Um, and they got to throw their way back into the game. Eh, it's not really the way they want to play. Yeah, sure, it's not the way they want to play. Did 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 he do something special that you saw on Monday night that made you say, well, you know, because he he fits some tight throws in, and and uh, it's not like guys were just running free all over the place. He, he played great in leading the comeback. Yeah, he did. You know, I, I I love that one. Well, if we get on top, you know, they're hard. It's hard for them to come back, and I. All this, well, Tom Brady, you know, he doesn't like to get hit. No kidding. <laughs> you know, we got to make this. <laughs> so all those things, yeah, getting on top of the Baltimore Ravens where they can, you have to stop their run game is very hard to do. And it was done very seldom, maybe a couple games. But there's no doubt every year, him and Dak Prescott, let just pick out two. Every year they've gotten better at throwing the football. Lamar, when I watched him this past week and this really this year, and even at times last year, he looks like the quarterback I saw at Louisville. And when I watched him at the University of Louisville that year he was coming out, I was like, oh, my gosh. You, you, we, you just got to look at him in a vacuum and just go, this is really unbelievable. His speed and making people miss and dynamic plays was crazy. But then I just remember going, when I studied him, I go, wow, does he have a powerful arm? And can he get rid of it fast? And now we're starting to see that more and more in the NFL. And he's adapting to it. He's a better thrower now than he was when he came in the league. And I think Lamar's over time, it's not going to happen this year completely, but he's going to transform more into a pocket quarterback who runs when he wants to, when he's in trouble. And, you know, so 
I think designing all the run plays they've had and everything like that's so tough to do, to come up with new running plays. Everybody's copied all their good runs. We saw Josh Allen against Kansas City Chiefs. Where do you think they got those quarterback runs from? That was right out of the book of the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, But that's what I see in him. And um, he's changed his throw motion a little. He can make all the dips and sidearms and all that. And he can definitely throw it with power, that's for sure. Phil, you talk, just talked about how the league is a copycat league. And the one thing that I'm seeing more and more of I mean, Kansas City was one of the first to do it is these deep over routes that are getting behind the backside corners and safeties. And these guys are so wide open. What, what is that? Is that, I mean, it's the old Joe Gibbs stuff and it's the old Eric Coriel. Those guys used to run those deep over routes. How are these plays so wide open every week? Is it because teams are in one coverage and they're giving them a little backside eye candy or something? Uh, you know, Carl, I, I write it down every week the wide receivers that get on top of safeties. I know that you see it every week because everybody's playing this shell defense. Yeah. Right? And, and it's there's too many ways to break it, to break the rules of it down. And that's why we see crossers, double moves, guys going, to, especially when wide receivers get on a safety. I'm just telling you, there's no safety in football is going to cover the number one wide receiver when you give them a 20-yard running start right at you or across the field. Yeah. So, and everybody's trying to carry it over leave this guy, give the safety coming. So it gets complicated. Uh, the best team I've seen, just to let you know, defensively that we saw this past week was the Buffalo Bills. Oh my gosh. They didn't blow one coverage. Everybody crossing the field here. I'm waiting. Come on. Here we go. They, they did an unbelievable job against the Kansas City Chiefs. They had the right game plan, but they got the talent to get it done. But you're going to keep seeing these deep crossers, Double move straight up the field, going against safeties for long touchdowns, wide open, just because it's too easy to break some of the rules that defense has. What? But why is it like they are they only playing one shell coverage because the players you can't get the right players to do things that you need to do or to well, what yeah. is it? They're trying to play safe. You know, that's what it is. Let's play safe. Make them march down the field. That's what Kansas City is seeing a lot of. You know, that's all. Throw, we want to make you throw it five and six and seven yards. And can you continue to do it? Can you run the ball? Are you patient? All those things. But it really, they're playing these shell coverages just to stop, to try to stop the big plays, to make huh. you march down the field. It's just not working the way they want a lot. And yeah. Uh, and the, the other ahead. thing, too, Phil, you brought up, I think it was you who said that uh, Patrick Mahomes is, he scrambles, but he's only looking for two guys. It's either um, Hill or it's Kelsey. Has, right. has the league picked up on that, too? Because they seem to be struggling a little bit offensively, too. Like, he leaves the pocket for two guys. Well, but those two guys are so talented and they know how to adjust to him. It's really amazing. Travis Kelsey, it's like they're connected, man. When Patrick Mahomes moves, Kelsey automatically just goes, Whoop, go with him. Go with uh, – yeah. but, yeah, the league has, I think, caught up to their offense a little. There's no question. And the other thing is, too, about the Kansas City Chiefs, as you watch it, and I watched that Buffalo game really close, you know, he left the pocket way too many times when he didn't have to. And he gave it a first look and then ran. If he stood in there, the guy is open. But, you know, a little impatient. They're trying to stop mm. that. But uh, I saw it again this week when they when he played Buffalo. I thought Mahomes was impatient and got out of the pocket and really took away from the plays. And Buffalo was ready for all that. And they matched their guys up. And he didn't get all those easy completions. We see when he gets out in the pocket and runs and throws it across the field and yeah. throws it deep. Those opportunities were not there against Buffalo. Phil, I want to follow up on that because I want to go back to, uh, what was it, 19, was it 1984? Um, you know, everyone thinks of your teams, you know, with Carl and LT and yourself and Joe Morris and, and Otis Anderson and Bavaro defense running football team but in 84 i mean you set some giants records that stood for a really long time until the game kind of opened up when you have that pressure on you where you got to you got to be really aggressive offensively i mean i know it's fun for you but um do you think that kansas city's kind of living that right now where they feel like they got to hit a home run literally on every play no, I, I don't think that, you know, when you're out on the field, and I think Carl knows this too, you don't feel and think of all those things. Oh, I feel the pressure. We got to do this. You just play. 
And um, no, I don't know if the offense goes out there with the mindset that, oh my gosh, we got to keep scoring because our defense is playing horrendous and that's being kind. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it is a breaking, you know, guys are wide, whatever, but I don't think that's why they struggle a little. And I don't think it really affects quarterbacks knowing their defense, how it's going. You just go out and play and do what this play tells you to do. And I think Carl knows if you think you're going to try to do something different and do something outstanding, that always backfires. So patience is patience is a virtue. And I'd say that the Kansas City Chiefs, that's what they need. Just, you know, a good example of a team. Let's take what they give us. It's okay if the score is not 35 to 31. Let's win one 28 to 27, whatever. Yeah. But I don't think Patrick Mahomes goes on the field feeling the pressure that we got to score. And I never did an 84, that's for sure. Hell, I was just hoping we'd score a touchdown. So <laughs> no, once, I'll tell you this, Carl, let me say it. So once I threw an interception at midfield at Giant Stadium, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And Lawrence comes up and says, don't worry. We'll get the ball back for you right here. <laughs> yeah, it, it was true. After he got a turnover, I was like, "Oh wow, okay, this is pretty cool." You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that that happened a few times. I know in the uh, the playoff game in San Francisco, I think it was Lawrence who came in huddle and said, because it was close to the end of the game, they were going to run the clock out. Yeah, and Lawrence came in the huddle and said, "We need to get a fumble." <laughs> sure enough, we get a fumble. Man, it's, it's amazing having guys like that, man. Oh, it was, it was, it was fun. Hey, um, Phil, I, I, I love talking quarterbacks, hearing you talk quarterbacks, because I, I, I don't know that much about them other than chasing them around. But <laughs> a guy that I, I like and I call him like Aaron Rodgers light or diet Aaron Rodgers is Matthew Stafford. He's got arm strength. I, I think he's been appreciated from the people who have to prepare for him. But, boy, he does a lot of things that goes under the radar. And I look at him, I'm like, this guy is – he's a diet Aaron Rodgers. He's got, like, all that stuff going for him. Yeah. He's really close, Carl. He is. I've said it for 10 years. When you watch him, you know, in person, on tape, whatever you do on TV, you see the physical gifts he has. And that arm is made of rubber. He can make all the, you know, throws at Mahomes and all these guys that we look at and think they created it. No, he can do it. He's been throwing it sidearm, overhand, all that. He has a tremendous arm. I thought he played as well as you could ever play in Detroit. He was the team. Yeah. And I mean, I remember, I, I don't know how many years, years go quick. He led like eight real comebacks. Like last drive of the games, he was coming through and winning the game. So, and I think, and, it, and people have, you know, pigeonholed him into this thing. Well, he hasn't won a playoff game and all this. I go, okay, here we go. It is a team game. He was the best player in their damn team. Yeah. And Calvin Johnson for a lot of his whole time there. So he is talented. I'm glad to see him get a chance out there in Los Angeles. Uh, that finger he's got, you know, that's a little bit of a problem. He's missing throws that he's never missed because mm. he's got to play it a little careful and safe because he knows he doesn't have complete control of that football. But he is a he's a great talent, and uh, I actually kind of root for him and I hope it works out well for him. Yeah, we talked about this on our, our Giants podcast. I go to the big board, the pop of notes for the oh, game this go. week. And, uh, you know, last year, the Rams had seven pass plays of deep balls, 20 yards or more in the air Right. the whole season. This year, they already have eight, and they have 400 yards, according to Next Gen and Pro Football Focus. So, I mean, only Arizona has uh, – they have 408 yards. So, Stafford – you know, they're real with Woods and Cooper Cup and everybody that they got. And then Deshaun Jackson with that big shot. And then when they have on the defensive side of the ball, Phil, I wouldn't be shocked that if at the end of the year, they're the team that's representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Well, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, they're just there's just some really good football teams you're going to be fighting against. And, you know, you talk about Stafford Carr, you talk about that. What they do a lot of, they get two guys together, they run down the field, they switch and they catch them or whatever, and the Rams, that's what they're doing. They're catching their good receivers on safeties every single game. And wow. this is something that Sean McVay has not done. This is a drop-back passing game. They really didn't have one with Jared Goff. They didn't even try. And right. you know, it was all boots, screens, throwbacks, all this stuff, the deep crossers. That's I mean, they lived on it, but it, it limited them. When they got behind, they really struggled to come back because they weren't used to pass blocking on drop-back passes, and they didn't have many of them in the playbook. 
And now mm. it's a drop back passing team. And they do the other stuff that they did with Jared Goff, but very little of it. So they're looking to, you know, make those plays, but also they're design, designing and trying to get these shots down the field. And so far, it's worked out really well. Team that's undef- that, that's that's doing really well, Phil, and I think, you know, as Parcells would say, you are what your record says you are. Arizona Cardinals, they're a good football team. They're probably going to get some more, you know, more, more competition. But right now, they're playing good. They deserve to be undefeated. What are you seeing from them in Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray? Well, they built this team. I, I would think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be disappointed if they don't at least make the championship game. But they're really thinking this team is a Super Bowl team. And that's what they built it for. I could see them, those moves coming about during the offseason. You know, when they picked up certain players, when J.J. Watt came over and then A.J. Green gets in there, now they got that wide receiver. They fixed up their offensive line. They really hit the draft. Zayvon Collins, one of their linebackers, oh, my gosh. He's a lightning, you know, mm. he's lightning running around there. But <clears throat> they fit this team to Cliff Kingsbury now. In other words, they got five receivers who truly are a threat to catch the football. They spread it out. That fits Kyler Murray. We know his quickness, the, the passing game they use. Kyler Murray is unique. He gets the ball, and if he sees somebody come free and he's going to rush him, he doesn't go sideways. He goes backwards. He goes backwards until he sets you up, and now it's just you and him. And he's gone. And I'll tell you, I don't know. I've never seen anybody get him, Carl, when he does it. So he's really. No, he's like a little water bug. Yeah, he is. But he goes backwards. Now, sometimes I think it was two weeks ago, I was just watching her game. And he was 17 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And of course, what's he do? He just keeps trotting, cut across, boom, throws the ball. And I just went, and that was just an ordinary play. But this is, they built this team to be, quote, you know, the, oh, the air raid offense. It's I think it's much better designed this year than before. Cliff Kingsbury is willing to come in with some tight ends, run the football, things like that. They're mixing it up. And the defense, you know, it's like a lot of them in the NFL. It has both. It has some size, but mm. it has tremendous speed. And that's – speed does a lot of things for you on defense, which you know. It yeah. one, makes you a great tackling team because you can get there and take them down. Yeah. You know? So they, they have all the ingredients – and it's just going to be interesting to see if this offense can kind of keep it going. Phil, um, you know, obviously the Chargers play at the Ravens, which is a huge game. I mean, Chargers have a chance to get to five and one. The Ravens obviously could beat them, fall to four and two. So then you got this big AFC West game that you guys have on CBS um, where you got the Raiders and the Broncos, a couple three and two teams. Um, obviously, this Gruden situation that unfolded this week. And Rich Bisaccia taking over as the head coach. I think they hit all the right notes as a as a team and as an organization. It looked like they were a distracted football club last week. What do you expect out of them this week? Is this is this like a rallying point for this team? Do you think? Well, you know, last week I don't know if they were distracted. I just think they got their butts kicked. I mean, the Chicago Bears, man, they were out there just. It was they were just by far the more physical team, and they were just manhandling the Raiders, which I really hadn't seen this year like that. So um, what do I expect? You know, Bob, I think I expect them to – they got Greg Olson as an offensive coordinator who's been around Gruden for a long time, been with the Raiders before. You know, Rich Passaccia, look, he's been wanting to be a head coach, all that. Just maybe the change in having a new coach is going to give everybody a different feeling about who they are and all that. And I don't think they're going to fall apart. I really don't. I think this team is – they really play hard. They fix their defense. The defense really is flies around. They're they're hitting people. You know, I mean, they've been they've been rough, and so I, I think the Raiders are going to be fine. I think they can. I still you think know, with a new coach and all that, they are a playoff. I like them, Phil, but they're they even before the coaching change. I thought they were really good at playing bad football. Like if it's a if it's a football game and it's it's just bad football and penalties all over the place, they end up winning those type of games. <laughs> That's a good you know, point. I've never seen this year. I haven't seen them play a really clean football game. But if it's if bad football is being played, the Raiders are going to win that game. So that when they muck up the games, you're saying that's when they're at their best. That's what I like. That's when they're at their best. They end up winning those games. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of true, Carl. And you know. Derek Carr has been a little up and down. Uh, you know, the first game, the first two games, I said, man, this Derek Carr, he's got it going this year. 
And then it's kind of been a, just a slow downhill ride since then. And uh, I don't know if uh, John Gruden just put so much stuff in. They got so many things to think about over, <clears throat> excuse me, Carl, Derek Carr, kill, check, just real. Oh my God. Can we just run a play just once? I watched the game yeah. there a couple of weeks ago. They did not stay in the same formation one time the whole game. They shifted, guy in motion. Yes, it's man to man now. We know it after 40 moves. And, you know, it was, man, yeah. it, it's, it's torture watching it sometimes. But, it's but they're, they're good at bad football. And, and yeah, but then point. you got, you know, receivers that are wide open that can't catch a football when you need them to. And then they have to end up sending the team into overtime. It's just, it's just typical. What I've grown to know is Raider football, but they they've mastered it this year. They win those types of games now. But you put them in, and they've got it like like the Chicago game when they've got to play it clean. They just don't look the same. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see as it goes forward. Um, I think they are a good, solid football team. They definitely got the skill on the offensive side to compete against every team in the league. The defense has been a really big surprise, even now, even at the Chicago. Hey, look. One thing the Raiders are doing, they're beating quarterbacks up. I mean, they yeah. are laying the wood to them. And Justin Fields, hey, he got lucky getting out of that game last week. He had a couple of plays where I thought, uh-oh, especially the one where he hyperextended his knee. Yeah. You know, he was running, got caught from behind. But, yeah, the Raiders, a little different this year just because on defense they're more physical and they got guys that can rush the passer or get in there too. How, how, do, how do you see the, the pass rushers in this league now, Phil? I, I've made the analogy, if you can't create a negative play on one of the first two downs, it's pretty hard to get to the quarterback on a consistent basis because the ball is out so fast. Are you seeing it that way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on. You know, it, just getting a hit on the quarterback's hard now. Just yeah. Because of all the – I mean, I, when I watch the games, I'm so – I guess, uh, what's the word for it? I've seen it so much. I'm not, but the screenplays, my gosh, last night, uh, Jalen Hurts just on TV. Oh, I, how many did he throw in a row? Just screen, screen. Tom Brady threw a lot of screens last night. Yeah. So it's really, it is true, the old phrase. It's, it is an extension of the running game. It's just a way to get the ball outside and maybe pick up an easy four or five. And a lot of times we see him break those. But yeah, so the quarterbacks getting rid of the football, um, getting extra protection when they want to throw it downfield. I think most offenses do a really good job of making it hard for you to get, get pressure on the quarterback and just keep getting rid of it quick. Then all of a sudden, now let's do this to get it down the field. And uh, it's a formula that works pretty well. And, man, Boomer Esaias and I sit in the um, CBS every Sunday and go, well, hell, I could complete some of these. I mean, they're <laughs> sometimes I count as many as 18 throws that are gimmies for quarterbacks. Carl, yeah. 18. In other words, it's screen, screen to the receiver. Oh, it's this. It's the delay. It's a th throw this running back on a swing pass, you know, screens to the running backs. There's that 70%. Oh, now the rule is you got to be over 65%. Man, if I ever hit 65% of my passes when I was playing, I, I would have asked for a new contract right away. But. That's the thing. Uh, Bob and I were talking about, I think it was like after week four, there were, I think, 20 quarterbacks that completed 75% or more of their passes that that week, that prior week. I'm like, how is this? It's like, how do you evaluate whether a guy is good or not? Because clearly, you know, the, the, the offensive coordinators are setting it up with Dink and Dunks, and these guys are just getting these high percentages. Like, does it really mean they're good quarterbacks or they just got good calls? Well, it's, you, you know, you want both. You want a really talented guy with a great scheme on the offensive side, yeah. which you see like in Kansas City we and Buffalo. Look, the scheme, they built that thing. Kyler Murray, the scheme is for him. The offense is built yeah. for him. They built the offense for Josh Allen in Buffalo. I mean, it's the Josh Allen show. Go get him, big guy. You know, and, and mm. you see that with everybody. You see the Dallas Cowboys – Got a great mix going, no doubt. But it's about Dak Prescott and the throwing that puts him over the top. You know, there's no yeah. doubt. And like I said earlier, man, he's throwing the ball about as well as any quarterback in the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, and I like the way they're using Pollard and Elliott. <clears throat> kind of both guys. Um, and they don't even have Gallup back yet. Now they got the tight end Schultz involved. I mean, yeah, he's a good player. You know, Bob, you know, when I was watching them play the Giants, I watched it on tape the other day. 
And I called somebody. I said, hell, I thought I was watching Emmett Smith and Larry Allen back there again, the way they were running the football and the throwing. And it was it was really a, um, an impressive showing by them. That, that's for sure. And Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, hey, they're in there running hard because they don't want to get left out. I mean, it's like a, <laughs> a guy. You know, hey, Ezekiel Elliott's going, hey, this Pollard guy, boy, I better st-. And And I see it. They are running – it's like they're competing for the job every week and that boy, what a great situation for them. But yeah, those guys running hard, the threaded receiver, a quarterback, that's a top flight quarterback in all areas. Now he, he looks to throw it all the time. He's not looking to scramble when he scrambles, yeah. he's still looking to run. Um, but yeah, they got quite a formula going on down there in Dallas right now. We'll see how it unfolds. So when the giants drafted this guy in 84, um, did you ever think he would become a czar of fashion? <laughs> well, uh, yes. no, I guess I should say no, but I knew Carl was into it as we were playing and everything. And uh, it was really funny, Carl, just to think of it. We go on a road trip. You're going to get on the bus, get on the plane, go in the hotel and sit in your room. And it was like a fashion show. Everybody's got all their new suits on. And I'm just going, yeah. I, uh, I used to think, why do we do this when nobody's going to see us but each of us? You know? I know. But you know what, Bob? The thing about Phil, Phil had, like, there, there were a few high-end stores. And I think this one store was Papillon or whatever. And, you know, we were all big into ties. Who would have the nicest, nicest tie? And Phil would always have the best necktie and we pay a lot of money and you know Phil could tie a really nice knot but he always had the best tie and we found out where he would buy his ties but the freaking guy in the store wouldn't let us connect. there was a, a stash for Phil Sims uh-huh. we go in looking for ties he's like well you can't shop over here like why well these are Phil's ties so <laughs> Phil had to pick of the all the ties so we had to I ended up and in, in, in Bob you know this we used to go to Bo Brummel in the city uh, down in the in the village or in Barney's, and, and Phil had this one little store in New Jersey that just kept all. He had a nice little tie collection, and we we, we could never get to it. I remember coming in and saying, "What the hell did you do to this guy? Like he won't let me buy ties out of the store." Hey, you know what I did? I spent a lot of money there. Probably that's why. <laughs> I don't know. Our money was green too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It, it was that we had. That, that was really funny. Like Maurice Carthon, our fullback Bob. Of course, you remember him, and. uh I saw him once and he was he was going out of what he had a brand new suit on and this and that. And I said, Well, what, did you when you went to that club, did you dance? Hell no. I go, why? What do you mean? He goes, I wasn't gonna sweat up my suit. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, Oh, okay. And he was proud of that suit. You know, he probably never had them, of course, none yeah. of them growing up. And uh man, when he put it on, he was gonna protect it. But oh, that was funny. So I got one more for you, Phil. This is you know, and I hate to do this when we play versus today. Sorry, right. boy, I wish we could have had training camps like they have today. But even though I think they've legislated a little too far, I think they've overcorrected. Yeah. But boy, I like the two days and the the amount of days you can actually practice during the year, total year in pads. That's that's quite an agreement. Wow. Well, I, I, I hate all war stories, but just the first one is Parcells, Bob. He goes, all right, now listen, I'm going to let you take your pads out of your pants today. <laughs> but if, if this prank's not good, you'll never take it. I mean, this is on a Friday, you know, when most teams go out in shorts. But we're still out there in shoulder pads, helmets, and it's he wants to see it real. Oh, Bill, you're so, you're so nice to us. We get to take our pads out of our pants? Wow. Meanwhile, the Niners were out of the facility by one on a Friday. Oh, I know. And <laughs> some of the ex- our ex-teammates went out there. Oh, my God. They tell me how they practice. I couldn't believe it. But, yeah, you know, listen, it, they have gone too far. Science says it, that they have. You know, I've read all these reports that the NFL has done. And hard practices where you stop and start is how you get ready to play football. And that's yeah. the only way you can do it. But I, And all the coaches know this, uh, guys. They know it, but they're like – yeah, no, yeah, no, we're not going to do it. I'm not going to let my guys do anything during the preseason because the fear of losing a player is so great now that it um, it prohibits these guys. And even though they know they need to practice and do what I say, go out there and practice for 15 minutes, go stand on the sideline for 10, you know, get your drink of water. Oh, next period, here we go. That's how you get your body in tune to do it. 
And uh, that's what science says. But again, coaches, even even the players during the offseason, how they train, they're not going to train like that. And yeah. uh, so I don't know if the injury rate's gone up. Yeah, I haven't really looked at it this year. I know it was early, but uh, it's never going back, Carl. If it does anything, it's just going to keep getting easier for the players. If you yeah, and it's it's and it, you know you you have key players. <clears throat> Durability used to be a, a sign of you know your your key your good players. Now you get key players that are you know hamstring. They're going to miss three weeks, and you just set the clock to when they're coming back. But boy, it would be nice to have a lineup that's you know you don't have five guys with hamstrings, and it's all and look. These guys go to personal trainers, and the personal trainers will say it's the team's fault, right? But it's football. They they have to train for the sport that they're playing, and that's not necessarily how they train in the offseason. Uh, no, it's not. And, and um, listen, the game has changed so much. You know, we played in between, you know, the hash marks almost. And the players yeah. lined up in there. Now – it's from sideline to sideline and speed is such a bigger factor than ever before. And the skill of quarterbacks and everybody out there, heck, not, every player in the field has gone up uh, as far as just that level of talent in the last 20 years, for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, the fact that it's spread out, it's just so different. And maybe that's why we're seeing more hamstrings, soft tissue injuries, just because the speed is, man, I watch some games, I almost have to turn my head. I just go, Whoa, I can't even watch that play again because the car, yeah. their car crashes. And either you go all out. It's like the, the old saying, Carl and Bob, coach says, run through the wall. You don't go, why? You just go do it. And yeah. Because I think players know it's all or nothing just about when you play in the NFL now. Yeah. Oh, you got any rants this week? Carl likes no, to give I a rant, rant everywhere. Oh, they're nothing better than giving rants. Oh, I love it. Good call. You got, you got a rant? Phil? Always. Let's see. Well, the Chargers beat the Green, uh, the Cleveland Browns 47-42, and I turned TV on this week, and as I'm watching, get up Monday morning to watch the games because, you know, when you're in the studio, it's nine games going on, and what the, you, can, you can't follow nothing. But it, I guess Baker Mayfield was horrendous. They only scored 42, and he threw for 300 yards, completed 23 of 32, Two touchdowns, no interceptions, and all that. But he was horrendous, and he was the reason they lost. Not the defense, not the fact that they gave up the lead. All those times, no, it was Baker Mayfield. So, hey, maybe he didn't play perfect. I watched it. Oh my God, there was somebody open. He didn't see him. Whatever it is. Oh, he can't bring them back in the last minute and thirty because that's all they counted in the game. So you know, I hate that kind of second guessing Monday morning quarterback. That's not even a good word for it. I should make up a name, but I don't want to say it here on the air. Well, you can. It's a podcast. No, I don't want to. No. I like to tell people I don't curse. Yeah. <laughs> Carl usually does. Yeah. <laughs> Carl usually drops a few on this show. Yeah, no, but you know what I'm saying? Just just the narrative that goes, and once it starts, it you can't get rid of it. And it's not you a can. truth. It's it, and you know, I always you're, say you're, you're so right. I mean, it's it's you know, a guy can can have a great game and he misses one pass and, and, and somebody, it could be whatever talking head. Oh, you know, he's just not good enough to bring a team back. Well, why should he, when he plays as good as he does, how about the other guys doing their part? Yeah, no. Hey, listen, Hey, I try not to get carried away with it, but man, I, I, that's why I love doing podcasts, doing other stuff, radio shows, because I try to give my opinion and shoot down other ones. Yeah. Not that I'm always right, but usually, well, not usually, always, I only deal with the facts. You know, I watch yeah. these games, and that's why I love doing it. I've been watching them all week long. I got two more to watch today, and I'll be done. But because I want to know the answers, and I know I want to know what's true. And, yeah. and TV lies to us. You understand? Yeah. The game yeah. you watch on tape is totally different than what we see on TV. Oh, you, you don't realize it until you do it. And it, I get fooled all the time, too. So that's why I like to do it. Just so when people bring up certain subjects, Bob, that not only can you argue it, but you're doing it with facts and what you've seen over the course of the season. All right. So, so I'm going to give got, you, a, I'm going to, okay. You got it. I got, got one, one more for you, Phil. Do you think, or how much do you think 
the fantasy sports has influenced the way the rules, some of the re more recent rules are slanted in, in the NFL. Do you think the fantasy, and I don't want to say gambling, but it's now, it's now clear and present that gambling is part of the sport. But do you think prior to that, the whole fantasy aspect of it and making the game more offensive, do you think that had any influence on the, the more recent rules changes? Uh, listen, rule changes come about for two reasons. Well, the Number one, they want to try to protect the players because the speed of the game has gotten so much and they want to prevent injuries at all costs. Okay, that's one. But also, the NFL knows this and we all know this. And, hey, I love some games where it's it, the tension is there and it's low scoring and every decision you call and do is so important, but I'm in the minority. People hate that. And they always, if it's high scoring, oh, it's a great game. Great. It was great. And that's, so the league is going to do whatever it has to do to make sure scoring stays where it is and goes up because that's mm. what fans love. It's great for fantasy football. It's just great for everything. People just enjoy the game when there's more big plays. And yeah. uh, I know when I say, I, whatever, I can't pick a game. You, you, when even I announced halftime seven to three, somebody would in the studio would go, yeah, it's a boring game. I'd come back to me and I'd go, it's not boring. This is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm nervous for these coaches. Who's going to screw up, make the bad call that cost them the yeah. game because everything is so close? So, yeah, it's um, – yeah, Carl, I, mean, I think that's what it is. It's about scoring yeah. and entertainment, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like the it's like the Dodgers Giants deciding game last night. It wasn't nine to seven and home runs all over the place. That was good old fashioned baseball. My rant, my rant right now is this: oh. Phil, you had your number eleven retired by the New York Giants. We knew Eli was having his number retired. We all know that Michael Strahan's having his number retired. When Carl and Mark Bavaro were placed in the Giants Ring of Honor, we knew it. We knew Philadelphia was going to put. Uh, what was it? Trey, uh, uh, offensive lineman in, in the Runyon. In the, yeah, Runyon yeah. last night yeah. in their yeah. ring of honor at halftime. They showed it. This thing with Washington's pissing me off. I mean, Washington sends out a tweet yesterday. Oh, by the way, on Sunday, uh, we're retiring Sean Taylor's number. Like, can we stop uh, with the facade of all this crap? I mean, yeah. you're in the crosshairs. I don't know why the league's not acting. But I think it's unfair to those fans that are Sean Taylor fans, Washington football. How do you tweet that out on a Thursday? Oh, by the way, as a diversionary tactic for what's yeah. going on. It's on un it's unfair to his family, to his fan base, to the yeah. team's fan base. That's my so would the would the one. team would the team argue that they had it planned for a long time? They, they just decided to announce it. They said they said this has been in the works. Come on. Who if it's it, this is you're not a good football team per se. You you've struggled for the past decade. So you're gonna tweet on Thursday. Oh, by the way, if you're coming to the game, we're gonna have some towels and we're gonna retire Sean Taylor's number, a guy who meant so much to that fan base. Yeah, that's, yeah, you that's, know, that's you, a bit ham-handed. Yeah. Well, that Bob, that's a good rant. And I hadn't thought of it that way. When I saw it, I went, wow, that came out of left field. And uh, so I thought, well, good. And but you know, things like that, they're they're always planned the year that the off season. So if they were going to do this, they already knew it during the off season. They were going to do, but for it not to be announced, or if if they did plan it during the off season, everything looks a little shady. That's for sure. That's my rant for today. Yeah, that was a good one. By the way, so all right, get that temp. Yeah, I hear you. I I hear you. Sometimes you know, I'm riding up the West Side Highway and. The game is giant. Game is still going on. I hear both of you, so I'll yeah. just that. Well, we don't we don't hold it back. <laughs> no, I, I hear so I can hear. Ah, just run the ball, run the clock out. <laughs> that, right? Did you see that in Dallas? What are we doing? Just run the ball. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think so. At that point, but you know time. what? I got here's my last oh. one. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell on myself because. Oh. The uh, Kadarius Tony and Phil can attest to this. Like Kadarius Tony gets in a in a fight, like and I, I say he was the rabbit with the gun, and he didn't have to do anything because he was pissing everybody off in the Dallas game. He was making everybody miss. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to myself, when he got thrown out, I'm like, 
The kid's got to be smarter than that. He can't get himself thrown out of a game. And I got to say, and, and, I, and I think Howard said it, Carl, you fought every single game. I'm like, and I'm giving this kid a lecture, but I guess it's do as I say, not as I do. Because I was, I remember Harry just yanking me up in a playoff game in San Francisco because I was going at it with Russ Francis and I didn't care what the score was. Right. He cheap shot at me and I wanted to get him back. Yeah. Well, Carl, what you you guys did on defense in those days, of course, would they do anything? They don't permit it anymore. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So this you, is true. You, know, you adjust to the rules. And I yeah. think it, yeah. So what Kadarius did, you know, even last night, did that taunting penalty cost the Philadelphia Eagles a chance to win the game? Maybe. Yeah. You know, so hey, it, again, it's just optics and you know, and, and I don't disagree with it either because it's like the celebrations in the end zone were getting out of control. So let's fix it. And the same with taunting. If you don't kind of stop it, it just keeps going and going, and it does lead to trouble. And they're calling yeah. it very close and tough, I know, but that's how players learn. And, of course, I'll just say this to you, Carl, and Bob, you too. If you got called for taunting when we knew it was a rule, they were doing it, they're officiating it the way they are, and Bill Parcells is on the sideline would you even get within a hundred feet of him as you walked off the field? Not even close. Oh my God. I mean, not even he, close. He would wear you out. Bob, it'd be a month before he'd forgive you. Yeah, it would. You know, I got cut in our Rams game. It was my rookie year. And this is when, um, third overall pick got, it was, <laughs> was it when young, uh, Jack Youngblood was still there. They were wreaking havoc and we were getting penalties. And I remember Barcel says, God damn it. The next one of you get a penalty, you're cut. I'm sending you home. And I run down on a freaking kickoff, get extra, you know, physical with somebody. I get a penalty. And literally, Phil, I'm walking straight. It looks like I'm walking off the field and Bill moved right over there. Yeah. And he's staring at me and he says, go sit your ass down. You're cut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not the business minded or savvy savvy enough at that point to know you can't cut me. I'm the first round job choice. That's right. I'm thinking, I don't even know if I'm getting back on the team plane. Oh my God. Oh, I tell you, I tell I listen, excuse me, my eyes are watering and listen to that. But the parcel stories, when I tell people they can't believe them. And like when I'm walking in the locker room in 1984. Bob, you probably heard the story, but I'm leaving the locker room. Our, my career is probably on the line with the Giants. His coaching career is definitely on the line. And I'm walking out of the locker room, and he looks at me and goes, hey, Sims. And you know, I go, yeah, what? He goes, if you don't throw at least two interceptions today, you're not taking enough chances. Let it go. And I go, well, hell, I can take care of those interceptions. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but – for him, when I tell quarterbacks, he said that to me. As well, they didn't want me to throw interceptions. He wanted me to uh, be clear of thought and really just let it go and play. And don't worry so much about – don't be perfect. His great line was, it's not a game of perfection. So don't treat it that way. Just play, man. Play the play. Worry about winning and losing when it comes time. And all that stuff was really so true. And, um, yeah, but when I tell quarterbacks these things – they, he goes, he really said that? Yes. He was, um, what's the word for Bill? Different, strange bird, whatever, something. <laughs> yeah. He was different, yeah. that's for sure. There's never never going to be a coach like him in the NFL. Never. Now, uh, Carl, how do we normally wrap it up? Well, we tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. Tell a friend to but tell a friend. before we go, Phil, are you still running the academy? Yes, my my son does. And um, Well, I didn't get a call this year to make the uniforms. Did I do a bad job? Oh, you're talking about the All-Star game? Yeah. Oh, the All-Star game. the Academy. Game. Well, no, the All-Star game has uh, been canceled the last two years. Well, that was because of the COVID. But what about yeah. the uh, the Academy, that the quarterback school? Yeah. Uh, no, we're still doing that and everything. And it's uh, this is going to be a big year for it, that's for sure, this offseason. This is – we're going to – we're going Am I going to make the shirts for them again this year? Yes, you will. Okay. Yeah. I know you're probably going to go to one of those fancy shoe companies to do it, you know, because – you don't oh, no. care that much. You don't care that much about your teammates and supporting them. So you just <laughs> go and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just not true. 
Let's see. If I remember, I bought a lot of uniforms from you a couple of years ago for the All Star game when we had it. Did they fall apart? No, they were great. But I was writing okay. damn checks, Bob. And I was like, "What? Another one? I I Another one?" Oh, you know, Phil um, has never bought anything at full price. Just so you know, Bob. Oh, that's not true. I, uh, I mean, it's like it's only, like only if Diane wants it. You you're buying it full price. Anything else? God, what kind of deal can now, I? I don't want them for free. Here's where he goes, Bob. I, I I don't want them for free. <laughs> I, I, you know, just just whenever you tell me, I'm gonna pay it. But just know, I don't want it for free. But anything you can do, you know, because we're helping the kids out here. And I say, sure, Phil, I, I'll give it to you at my cost. I'll make no money on it, so that you don't spend so much money. No, I don't want you to do do that. I want you to make your money and everything. But yeah, it's uh, hey, look, these all star games. I don't know what to tell you. It takes a lot of money to run them. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. It's a great uh, when we do it. It's a great. It's a great time. And of course, yeah. I'm the, Bob, I'm the guy that keeps it under control. I create like when the game practice is over, we do these stupid games that are hilarious with the coaches, the players. But I'm also the guy going. I look at the schedule. And I, I coaches do not like me, and I go, "We got 30 minutes of individuals drills. I'll give you seven. Because uh, you know, they keep the kids out of the field for three hours. I'm like, no, we're getting off of here in about an hour and 40 minutes. We'll play, have some popsicles, have a game. I mean, it's an all-star game. But Yeah. Uh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Phil, we, right. appreciate, we appreciate the time. Banksy, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Gotcha. Uh, as we continue to grow our, our army of followers here on the Papa Bank Show. Phil, thank you so much. Thank Bob, you, Phil. Carl, good to talk to you, man. All you right. too. All right. Have a good day. Both two-time Super Bowl champions. Phil Sims joining us. Carl Banks, Bob Papa, tell a friend to tell a friend here on the Papa Banks Show. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube